This is Kay Tillow. I'm with Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare, and this is our weekly show for Single Payer Radio. Uh, we're proud to be broadcasting on Forward Radio. That's 106.5 FM on your dial, and that can be heard uh, across the city of Louisville and in our Louisville area. And you can also listen to it live if you go to forwardradio.org. And uh, Forward Radio is a community station that we're proud to be a part of because it amplifies the voices of many of the citizens and others whose voices are not normally heard in the mainstream media. So uh, we are here to talk today about uh, recent events uh, that have happened for our, our organization. We were delighted when we heard our governor, Andy Bashir speak about his concern that so many African-Americans were victims of COVID-19 and that indeed the uh, death rate for the black community was double the numbers uh, that they are in the population. And he was truly uh, outraged and horrified at the injustice, at the moral um, problem that that presents, that such an unfair burden falls on the black community. And when he spoke about that, he said that he was committed to making certain that every single black Kentuckian was covered by some form of health insurance, and that indeed he wanted to make certain that every Kentuckian had coverage and that he was making that a priority for the state. And indeed, he spoke about that on NPR and he spoke to the Herald Leader and um, it was a widely distributed um, article because he was really passionate about the desire to do that. So we uh, picked up on that and wrote to him and uh, said, Dear Governor, we, we certainly agree with you and we think that every single person has to be covered. It's a moral and right thing to do. And we would be glad to help. And uh, we wish you well. And uh, we want to go forward with that. Um, and then we also said that we expected that he would run into barriers uh, in seeking to do that because of the structure of our healthcare system uh, based around profit that does not make it easy for people to get coverage. And therefore, we encouraged the governor to make a public statement to support a national single-payer health care plan that really would finally, finally open all those doors and bring everybody in the country into coverage for all medically necessary care. So we encouraged him to endorse the physician's proposal for a national health program, which is also single payer 
and it's also called Improved Medicare for All. And as a result of our letter uh, to the governor, we got a, a very kind response and uh, we were offered to have a meeting with the top healthcare officials in our state. So we held a meeting um, to have a discussion about these concerns and to have an exchange of views on August the 24th. And uh, if anyone, Harriet, well, would... so, uh, you might explain that, that those who signed the letter uh, were members of the executive committee of Kentuckians for single payer health care. And so you invited us or, or I suppose we ended up being the team that went uh, to meet with them. And there were six of us. There were six of us from Kentuckians for single payer health care, and there were three on the other side. Um, from those, the governor's team. From the governor's team, yes. Uh, one was Eric Friedlander. He is the secretary of the cabinet for health and family services. And there was Carrie Banahan, who is the senior healthcare policy advisor um, for the governor and for the cabinet. And she uh, has a history that goes uh, back, well, 30 years with working for the state, but she was very prominent during the period of time when the former Bashir was the governor and they were setting up the state um, exchange, the state connect and opening up uh, Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act to be expanded to another half a million people. And the third person was uh, Jacqueline Richardson who is the chief of staff of the cabinet for health and family services. So the discussion took place on August 24, and uh, we'd like to just tell you a little bit about it. We, uh, we started by saying that we think Kentucky has done a very good job of doing everything that is possible under the Affordable Care Act. In other words, when, when the national exchange uh, was collapsing, Kentucky's was up and running smoothly, and Kentucky had an administration that was working to get people covered. So to the extent that the Affordable Care Act allowed there to be an expansion of coverage, Kentucky did it, which is why we think that Kentucky is now in a position to say, now we still have 30 million who have no coverage, we have 40 million who are underinsured, we have increasing numbers of people unemployed who lose their health insurance when they lose their jobs, and to solve the problems that remain, we have to go to a national improved Medicare for all or a single payer plan. And um, in that discussion then, uh, Dr. Garrett Adams spoke about what was in that proposal from the Physicians for a National Health Program. Uh, thank you, Kay. Um, 
for that introduction. Um, there was there are a couple of uh, ideas in the governor's remarks that really uh, made uh, an impression on me. One of those was when he was talking about specifically talking about covering 100 percent of the individuals in our African-American communities. Everybody, those were his words. And he said, this is just a first commitment making up for the inequality that Dr. King said was the most severe inequality in healthcare. And the fact that the governor would know that quote from Dr. Martin Luther King, which is such an important piece of Dr. King's legacy, I was so impressed. And then another thing that he said was, if you've watched his television programs, he says, we'll get through this. We'll get through this together. And that always reminds me of what we say in the Physicians for National Health Program and the single-payer health movement, everybody in, nobody out. To me, that's the same thing. And he's really on our page. So we've talked about the physician's proposal for a single-payer health care reform. I tried to condense it. I thought we should, when we were there, really understand what we were talking about and what we're asking them to do. And so I, I broke it down into a few points, and I just so that we're all on the same page. <clears throat> the physician's proposal for a single-payer health care reform removes all financial barriers to medical care. It saves enough on administrative overhead to provide comprehensive coverage to the uninsured and to upgrade coverage for everyone else, thus requiring no increase in total health spending. That's the un uninsured and the underinsured. Puts in place effective mechanisms to control costs, lowering the rate of medical inflation and making the health system sustainable for future generations. Restores free choice of clinician and hospital to all Americans. Every resident of the United States, including all immigrants, is covered for necessary medical care. <clears throat> A national health program card entitles patients to care at any hospital or doctor's office provides coverage for outpatient and inpatient medical care, as well as rehabilitation, mental health, long-term care, dental services, and prescription drugs. <clears throat> Improves on traditional Medicare's benefits and expands coverage to all Americans. It eliminates premiums, co-pays, deductibles, and co-insurance. It's federally funded like Medicare and administered by federal, state, and regional boards. Private insurance that duplicates NHP coverage, that's National Health Plan, private coverage that duplicates NHP coverage is prohibited. The initial increase in government costs is fully offset by savings in premiums and out-of-pocket costs. Hospitals and other health facilities will be on a budget 
Most remain privately owned and operated, receiving an annual global lump sum budget from the national health plan to cover all operating costs. That's just like your fire department. Physicians are paid based on simple fee schedule covering all patients or by salary. Medications are purchased wholesale. That takes care of the highway robbery that Big Pharma is is holding us all up for where we're paying 40% more at least 40 to 50% more. So medications purchased wholesale, it is paid for by combining current government health spending into a single fund with modest new progressive taxes fully offset by reductions in premiums and out-of-pocket spending. <clears throat> so that's that's the physician's proposal, okay? Just so we know what we're talking about. That's good. And uh, uh, Dr. Adams reviewed that uh, on the phone call that we had on the 24th with the officials from the Kentucky government. And... Uh, they were very interested and uh, listened attentively to the things that we were saying and I think uh, are, are deeply concerned about the issues that are being raised, the inequality uh, uh, by race and the fact that so many Kentuckians are in dire straits uh, over health care and also over unemployment at this time. We were very, this is Harriet speaking, we were very complimentary of the governor for his plan to, um, to cover all, interestingly enough, all Kentuckians. Well, of course, we want to cover all of them. We want to cover every resident of this country, but um, he did, I think we should mention that he set up a plan, and I forget the first part of it, but it's, it's some, maybe it's Team Kentucky 123, and he invites Kentuckians to, um, to call in, and, um, and they've got uh, phone monitors or operators picking up staffers who help people fill out the really sometimes complicated forms, but they've tried to simplify the forms, to um, enroll people in Medicaid. And now, and my understanding is that um, this program is temporary. It, it will last while the pandemic lasts, and they are hoping then that they'll move it into place you might help me with this, uh, Kay. When um, is it in 2022? They hope to be able to um, bring these people through Connect. But we must remember that Connect is very heavily um, or not organized. Um, I'm forgetting the, the verb. Very. Uh, it's very heavily coordinated by private with private insurers, and also the um, the MCOs in Medicaid. So um, we are trying to stress the fact that we want that profit um, 
profit-taking element removed so that everyone can be cared for. Now, I know the governor means well, and his own father was a groundbreaking governor when he um, expanded Medicaid. So we praise the Medicaid expansion, but Medicaid is not as, um, as comprehensive uh, coverage as we would provide with a single-payer program. Um, help me with that. If there was more one of you wanted to add, I want to give the governor credit. But what we say is with the money going in through Medicaid and with profit-taking elements involved, there won't be money to cover everybody. We say we must have single-payer in order to get this done. So now we probably, I think Antonio wants to say something. Well, again, I agree uh, with what everyone has said. Um, because, I mean, we we all know that there's a lot of disparities in, in the black community, and there's definitely uh, uh, systemic racism in large part that has kept blacks uh, marginally underserved. Uh, what the and my feeling is, and which is why I'm with you know, Kentucky for single-payer health care, is that um, I truly see that, that the blacks and low-income communities have adequate health care, but, but the only way to get it is through a single-payer plan. And, and I'm appreciative that the governor recognizes that and I also recognize that racism plays a large part in this. Um, and his willingness to ensure that all blacks are, are covered. Uh, now, the thing uh, that I think Garrett had mentioned is about, uh, or maybe it was you, Harriet, about the savings that you, we, would, we would get from the having a single payer plan because with the money that you would save from not having to pay co-pays and meeting a deductible and uh, things of that nature, that small aggressive tax you would have to pay is nothing anywhere near what you're paying now you know, for your health care coverage, for those that have health care coverage. Thank you. Uh, Look at what I have from, from my own standpoint of health care coverage, which I have a, a, a decent plan, uh, but I have to look beyond what I have and, and look at what other people are having to go through and to see the need that they're in, in a dire situation uh, for health care in this, in this state and in our nation. That was Antonio Wycliffe speaking. 
He is a member of the steering committee of Kentuckians for Single-Payer Health Care, and he is also a leader in the Kentucky Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression, and a leader in the Metropolitan Disability Coalition. Thank you, Kay. Uh, okay, well, uh, would, uh, I see, Edgar, would you like to participate? This is Dr. Edgar Lopez. He is a uh, surgeon, and he is uh, currently not doing surgery, but he has a long history as a surgeon within our city, and he has done a lot to work in um, a free clinic to assist in bringing care to those who have no coverage. Dr. Edgar Lopez. Uh, thank you, Kay. Uh, I want to bring up the subject of the public option. We cannot forget that as Governor Bashir tries to bring health insurance to everybody. There is a current enthusiasm, if I may use that bad word, about the public option. And we know that public option is another way for the health insurance industry to participate in the funding of health care. Uh, a couple of uh, statements made by Dr. Ed Weisbart from uh, Missouri that appeared in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch says that most recent data shows that 43% of room of emergency room visits and 42% of hospitalizations among privately insured Americans came with an out-of-network bill. This comes hand-in-hand hand with the public option. 16% of Americans have had to cut back on groceries 17% cut back on clothing, 18% on non-prescription drugs, 8% on utilities, and 19% on recreation or vacation, all just to pay for health care. The public option will do nothing to prevent surprise bills from emergency visits or hospitalizations, nothing to prevent surprise bills for unbearable deductibles and co-payments. I would and would let our healthcare system grow increasingly complex and unsustainable. Uh, again, we need, always need to bring up the fact that this is another pandemic 
that we have in this country, the pandemic of medical bills. <laughs> right. And this is something that we always need to keep in mind to demonstrate that public option is not a solution by large to the, to the problem of uh, healthcare funding and healthcare reform. Thank you. You are listening to Single Payer Radio, a production of Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare. We do a weekly show on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and we hope that you will tune in. And if you would like to participate, you can get in touch with us. You can reach us through our website at www.kyhealthcare.org. We would love to hear from you. And this is Forward Radio 106.5 FM. And you can listen also online at forwardradio.org. So we're talking today about a discussion that uh, we had as an organization with members of the governor's uh, uh, healthcare policy people and health cabinet. And uh, we are working to persuade the governor to come out boldly and publicly in support of an improved Medicare for all because he could help to lead the nation forward to a plan that would indeed cover everyone as well as save money and assure that we brought health care to our entire community. Uh, one of the people you heard from earlier was Harriet Seiler. She is the Secretary of Kentuckians for Single Payer Health Care and also works quite fervently with uh, Kentucky's League of Women. Uh, one of the things we discussed with the uh, governor's uh, uh, group was the economics. That's always a question, you know, how are you going to pay for it? Of course, we say single payer healthcare saves money and that other nations spend about 50% of what we spend and yet have better outcomes. So if you move to a system that is less costly, it shouldn't be such a big hang up about how we pay for it. But we do have someone who has widely read about the economics of single payer, and that is Charlie Casper, who is the treasurer of uh, Kentuckians for single payer healthcare. Thank you, Kate. Uh, we've talked a lot about how much yeah, the coverage will be expanded, and, and that was certainly something that we wanted to emphasize to uh, uh, Dr. Freelander and his uh, staff. Uh, but we also wanted to emphasize what it's going to cost and how it's going to be paid for because the state is going to be grappling with these issues uh, if they're going to try to cover everybody, as uh, Governor Bashir has set out to do, which we think is great. But cost is going to be a factor. So we wanted to emphasize to them exactly how we think single payer could be uh, financed. Now, there are many 
plants, but the one that we liked the best was um, adopted by both uh, PNHP, as Garrett has indicated, uh, and by a, an economist from University of Massachusetts named Gerald Friedman, who spoke in Louisville a number of months ago about this. And uh, no doubt there will be many efforts to tweak this, but at least it gives us a very brief analysis of how it can be paid for. And uh, the first and obviously the most logical savings is going to come from eliminating health insurance companies, private health insurance companies. And that would provide up to $600 billion annually for savings based upon administrative cost, profit, overhead, marketing expenses of the insurance companies, and the administrative cost of hospitals who don't have to deal with insurance companies once they're gone. It also would allow uh, the single-payer Medicare for All administration to negotiate with pharmaceutical companies and uh, with uh, providers of uh, equipment in the private sector. So there's some tremendous savings that would go a long way right out of the gate to start the financing on single payer. The other portion of it would be, uh, again, according to Gerald Friedman, would be financed through simple payroll taxes from everyone who is working, would contribute very much like they do their Social Security uh, deduction on a monthly basis, approximately 6%. And actually, that number is ranged from five to seven, but it's approximately 6% of their payroll, and it would be matched by their employer. Uh, this would generate the lion's share of income uh, that is necessary and have everyone participate. The additional taxes would come from a, a small tax on stock and bond trades, uh, at the uh, Wall Street level. Usually, we've heard everyone talk between half a percent and one percent of those trades would generate additional funds. There would be a tax on unearned income, which would be the same as a uh, the tax on your payroll, approximately six percent. And that would cover things like uh, if you owned an apartment complex or uh, uh, something of that nature, then that money would be taxed at, at that rate. And uh, finally, there would be a surtax on the very highest wage earners, uh, possibly as much as 5%, but that's a number that is definitely a moving target. The, uh, some of the other plans you may have seen or heard about uh, Elizabeth Warren talking about a uh, wealth tax. Uh, that is certainly something that w would generate the necessary funds. It's just a question of, the, of whether the politics of that would would work out. And that's something we would have to uh, just go to the mat for, because uh, at this point, we just have to get everyone to buy into it. And the plan would be worked out. The dollars are there to pay for it, uh, both with the savings and uh, with the payroll tax and other sources of, of uh, income. And again, there would be, as uh, Antonio and Garrett have both said, there would be no copays, no deductibles, uh, no premiums, and so those would be more than offset 
by a simple payroll tax and some small taxes on other things, the average person, it's up to 95% plus that would save substantial money on a monthly basis by going to this sort of system and this method of financing it from an economy standpoint. So it can be done. We felt like this was something that we needed to emphasize to uh, Dr. Freelander and his group because cost is going to be a factor when they start figuring out how to cover everybody in the state. And this would be a huge burden off of their back if we would go to a national single-payer health care that we've encouraged them to do. Thank you, Kate. Oh, oh, that's great, Charlie. And I'm reminded of something that uh, Garrett has always said whenever we were making a presentation on single-payer. He'd stand up there and pat his pocket, and he would say, 95% of people will end up with money in their pocket because only a small percentage of people would pay maybe a little more than they're paying right now. And the rest of us wouldn't be paying, as you said, premiums and deductibles. And these deductibles are horrendous. Even people who've got employer-based insurance right now, and they say, oh, well, I've got good insurance. And you say to them, how high is your deductible? And then you find out it's some, it can be, can't it be $5,000 or something? And for a family, that's uh, uh, that's dreadful. And I, I have to say that I just... Uh, I just heard at the end of a podcast on Forward Radio that Ralph Nader did. Now, Ralph might be a little too far to the left for you, but he often says just wonderful, succinct things, and we thank him for our seatbelts. But he did say, he talked about uh, Western Europe was destroyed in World War II, but then they got themselves up with stronger labor unions and stronger consumer cooperatives and um, a multi-party, they still had a multi-party system, etc. And he said, look what they got for all their people. They got full health insurance, higher minimum wages, better public service, inexpensive mass transit, better pensions. They got four weeks paid vacation. They got tuition-free higher ed better kept parks and arts for everybody. And we don't have any of these for everybody. And we supposedly won World War II is what he says. But this is the line that ties in with those who say, oh, I don't want to pay any more in taxes for single payer. He said, people in Western Europe wanted the taxes that they paid returned to them in all the ways I've just mentioned and not siphoned off by gigantic, well, he says military budgets, but you could say gigantic profiteering corporations. So it's really our taxes would come back to us in something we really need. I'll stop ranting. Okay, did you have something, Garrett? Yeah, I just wanted to say something that I think is important about uh, single-payer national health care, and that is <clears throat> to follow up on the economics, which Charlie does a nice job of presenting, and I appreciate that. But whenever we think about the economics, and sometimes the numbers get hard to keep up with, 
remember this, everybody gets healthy. There's, imagine, if you can imagine that everybody gets good, not only good care, but the population is, is healthier and stronger, and they're better able to work. There should be less sick time, and, and people won't be going to work sick. Think about that. Think about everybody. When you look at a crowd, a large group of people, and you think every single one of them is already covered for their health care, and it makes us all equal, makes us all healthy. So that is a huge benefit that we get a, a, a benefit to the nation and to our fellow citizens that we're all the same and we're all healthy. Yes. Right, and that ties in with what Antonio said. It, it removes those inequities by race and ethnicity, et cetera, and the disparities. And I mean, when you look at some of our outcomes and we've got, you know, terrible maternal uh, death rates and, right. and infant mortality, etc. Yeah. But um, I just, uh, the other thing I wanted to, to go back to Charlie, um, Charlie, aren't there just a ton of economic, can't say the word, economists now who say that we would over, if you look out over the next 10 years, that we would, a single payer would cost less, that we would have tremendous savings? Uh, absolutely. They, they're estimating now that, I read an article the other day that we, we could save uh, as much as uh, three and three and a half trillion dollars over the next 10 years if we go to a single payer health care plan. Right. And some of these are conservative think tanks. Yes. Conservative think tanks. <laughs> Yeah, and there's a lot of organizations uh, like the ACP has come out in favor of single payer. American College of Physicians, uh, along with several other organizations, uh, doctors groups, and so it, it it's certainly something that people are starting to pay attention to now. Yeah. Did you have something, Edgar? Yes, I think we we must remember every time that we speak about the issue that we have a humanitarian crisis in this country is that we have, I don't mind saying it, we have a criminal system from the, from the time the patient enters the emergency room or the hospital until they finish and go home. That's when they get all the surprise bills non non uh, the bills that don't belong to the network so this is something that we need to keep reminding people that this is really a criminal system that needs to be stopped you know, we're, we're the only industrialized country that has left our entire healthcare system in the hands of the private for-profit insurance industry. And if you think about that, they have written into our whole system 
their values and not ours. And they are organized around the idea that they want to do what they can do to maximize profit. We, on the other hand, as people and patients, have a need to maximize the care. And those things are in contradiction for the insurance company often questions the diagnosis and the treatment plan that the doctor makes and says, perhaps that's too expensive. Couldn't you do this instead? And who are they to make that decision? They don't have the professional training. We need for physicians and patients to be making the decisions about what is the proper diagnosis and treatment and to get the insurance industry out of the way for they are the middleman who is saying, no, we won't approve that drug because that's too expensive. And they are walking all the way to the bank with many, many millions and millions and millions of dollars, much of it now coming through the money that they get from the privatization of Medicare and Medicaid. And they are making a lot of money and that money is money that we need to use to take care of our people. And we're the only nation that operates in that way and we have to put an end to it. Um, and we can when we get national single-payer health care. Harriet? Well, and also our, our politicians and those who think they're going to improve our system, they always say, we have to cut costs. We have to cut costs. And what is it, Kay? You have some famous quote from, is it March Angel, one of the early single-payer pioneers, uh, how does it go again? You can't cut costs without... You can't cut costs without cutting care right. in our system. If you cut the costs, you cut the care. If you expand the care, you increase the cost. That's the way it works when you're a profit-based system. So Marsha Angel, who was the former editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, said, if you're going to change that and both rein in the costs and expand the care, which is what we want to do, you have to go to a system that is not based on profit for the insurance companies. And that's why she's an advocate for single payer. And that's why we are working to help our nation to get to that decision and to uh, finally make sure that the patients are placed before the profit. I think Garrett was there. Yes. Uh, I wanted to say um, that in my letter to uh, the governor, I, I thought he should know that how important uh, single payer is to physicians. And along this train of conversation right now, we were recently asked, uh, will this be a, a doctor run organization or government run? It would be doctor run. Uh, the government pays the bills, but the doctors uh, provide the, the care. And, and the whole part of the point is that we return medicine back to the care of the physicians. When the Physicians for a National Health Program is a data-driven organization of physicians and health professionals who educate and advocate 
for single-payer national health insurance. When I joined the Physicians for a National Health Program back in 2003, there were 8,000. Today, there are 23,000 members, and the majority of doctors, American doctors, support single-payer, as well as uh, many uh, professional specialty organizations. Recently, the AMA cut ties with a, uh, an a bad decision they had made. They were working with an anti-single-payer lobbying group, and they cut ties with them, as did the American Journal of Radiology. And Charlie, I think, mentioned the American College of Physicians, which is the largest specialty organization of doctors, announced its endorsement. The Society of General Internal Medicine has endorsed the single-payer plan. The majority of Americans favor this plan, and the evidence is building that the majority of Kentuckians also, there are city council resolutions, Democratic club endorsements. There was a resolution in the Kentucky House of Representatives in 2007 for a single-payer plan, and recently there were two candidates for the U.S. Senate who ran on single-payer platform, and one of these was endorsed by both leading newspapers in the state and came very close to winning the primary. So there's huge support uh, in Kentucky, in the nation, and among the, the doctors. Well, and that's interesting because that's another thing Ralph Nader said that he was talking about. He said, progressives don't even know when to toot their own horn, that the majority of the American people support a living wage, full health insurance, cracking down on corporate crime. And there's fraud, of course, in some of our insurance um, uh, corporations uh, and inequitable tax system and adequate public services. So what he's saying is the American really people really are behind this, but we've got to get out and toot our own horn. That's sort of what we're doing today. But I mean, this is so important. And I want to go back. I want to go back again to um, the fact that Governor Bashir's father was a groundbreaker when he expanded Medicaid. He knew our people needed it. And I am asking his son, Governor Andy Bashir, to step forward to use his influence with other governors, etc to support, and we did mention this, uh, to support single payer, to just make, to study up on it. We need some of our people running for office to kind of do their homework on single payer and see that it is what we need. Antonio? Well, I'll... Um... Just touching back on some of the things that we were saying about the savings. Uh, you know, the the consensus says that uh, to you know to achieve net savings, single payer plans rely on simple simplified billing and negotiated drug price reductions. You know, um, as well as 
global budgets to control spending growth over time. And that replacing uh, private insurers with a public system is expected to achieve lower net health care costs. That's true. That's true. You know, one of the things that single payer would do, there's so many things it would do, but one of our dangers now is that we have rural hospitals and some hospitals in the city closing because of, well, some of them because of the expenses of the pandemic and for other things. And the last thing we need is for these um, safety net access hospitals to be closing. Single payer doesn't gear itself around supporting uh, the, the, the most uh, uh, profitable hospitals. Single payer finances through a global budgeting system every hospital that we need. So the rural areas would keep their access to care. Uh, the inner cities would uh, be supported by a global budgeting system that would make sure that we do not allocate our healthcare resources according to wealth. You know, we see that in Louisville. Uh, the hospitals are built in the East End because they're seeking to attract the private, the for-profit uh, patients who have the private insurance, which pays at a higher rate. That would end with single payer. All patients would be paid for equally. The patients in every part of the city, every part of our state would be paid for and our hospitals would be supported through the global budgeting. Dr. Lopez? No, I was just going to say that I never saw medicine as a way to save money. You know, when you are the patient and you go to the emergency room or to the hospital to be taken care of, you are not going down the list to the cheaper procedure, right. the cheaper doctor, or the cheaper medication. So this cost control is, uh, is a myth. Uh, this is this is what makes this problem unique and separated from all the other economic, socioeconomic issues that this country already have. Medicine is not created to save money; it's created to treat people. Wonderful, right? Patients over profits and. Um, one of the things I did mention, and this quote came from a Dr. Robert Lebeau, um, when we spoke to the governor's team, um, uh, had to do with dignity issues. And in a way, that's what Edgar is talking about, too, the dignity of the patient, the respect for the patient. And Dr. Lebeau, who was talking about universal coverage, he said the new system must allow people dignity. How people are treated and how they feel about themselves is important. A system of universal coverage with everybody in the same risk pool would eliminate the stigma 
that goes with Medicaid and the degree of disdain or rejection that some people with Medicaid and the uninsured must currently endure. And I think what I said um, to the governor's group was, was nobody should have to come forward and say, oh, please, please see how poor I am. Therefore, I deserve health care. That is, should not be the way the American people take care of our neighbors and our families. True. That's true. We shouldn't have tiers in our system where some people are paid at a higher rate and others are paid for at a lower rate. Uh, that should not occur. It should all be equal. You know, we have people on Medicaid which pays the lower rates who can't find a specialist or who can't get all of the care that they need because they are paid for at a lower rate. Everyone should be paid for at the same rate, and it should be an adequate rate to sustain our providers, our doctors, our hospitals, uh, all of the things that we need to make it happen. The other problem with, uh, with this current system is, is it's such a patchwork. If you get a new job and you make more money, you lose your Medicaid eligibility. If you have employer-based health care and you get laid off, you lose your health care insurance. We have a constant churning of people who have coverage and then they don't have coverage and then it's a different cost. And all of that administrative cost to make that system work is what's leading our health care system instead of sending the money to where it's needed, which is to make sure that we provide the care. Okay, we have not only T-I-E-R-S tears, but we right. also have T-E-A-R-S tears. That's right. I, that's what I was thinking, too. And um, I think Antonio had something about if you don't have a... What was it, Antonio, that you mentioned that about people that need a special test? Yes. What was it you said... <laughs> They, they think they're actually better off going to the emergency room. They were better off if, if they needed a, a particular test. They were better off going to the, it was, it was more cost effective for them to go to the emergency room and have the test done than it was to have their primary care physician uh, refer them to a specialist to have the test done. I mean, the thing is, people don't know how much anything's going to cost. And now with the pandemic, I mean, I think people are even afraid to go to their doctor if they have symptoms for fear of getting a bill. And um, Edgar was talking about surprise billing. People in, you know, I'm originally Canadian. I forgot to mention that up front. But all my relatives, they never get a medical bill ever that's right and uh, they don't have employment-based um, health insurance you know one of the uh, things that we're seeing now is the insurance industry is trying to say oh you're going to lose choice if uh, you know everybody wants to keep their employer-based health care 
That really isn't true. People's employer-based health care coverage has gotten worse, and it covers less, and the payments and the premiums and the deductibles and the co-pays are getting way beyond people's means, and buying into the ACA health care exchanges is very, very expensive for people. So the solutions that we have now are not working, and we have to do what is right. I told the governor that the single payer is the only plan that will cut through the wasteful bureaucracy of our current system and actually provide health care for all. And I told him that a single payer health plan will do exactly what he wants it to do. It will level the playing field for all Kentuckians and put us all on the road to equality and dignity for all. And we asked him if he and his administration would commit to a period of study of a national single-payer health care plan. Thank you, Garrett. You've been listening to Single-Payer Radio on 106.5 Forward Radio. We're with Kentuckians for Single-Payer Health Care, and we thank you for joining us. We urge you to go to our website, www.kyhealthcare.org, and to get in touch with us, and we hope you'll join us again. And contact the governor. I stopped the recording because it was at... uh, 58 it was at 58 minutes. So, okay. 